Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, let's get our Flames Talk post-game show underway right now. 5-2, your final score. Flames fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head right to the Flames locker room and get some uh, immediate post-game reaction. We check in with Flames defenseman Mackenzie Weger. Uh, Mackenzie, how do you uh, how do you sum this one up tonight? Uh, it's a tough game. Um, there was no energy after that first period. Um, just disappointing, to say the least. Any uh, any idea why the the energy levels dropped there after 20? No, actually, I honestly have no idea why um, that that happened. Um, it's like I said, it's just disappointing. You know, two two game after the first. I thought we worked hard, uh, got a couple bad bounces, and then after that, we just simply just got outworked and outcompeted. You've got one more game remaining on this homestand on on Saturday against Chicago. I guess just knowing the the way things have gone here the last little bit and some tough losses, just how how important does that final game of the homestand become? Yeah, um, you know, obviously it's been a tough homestand. Um, You know, the only positive thing, I guess, is just getting that win before the break and and going in the break feeling good. But, um, you know, maybe we we call the dads back and and have some dads talk some sense into some guys and, um, you know, get on a roll. And and a final thought for you, Mackenzie, and and I know it doesn't come in the result your group was looking for, but how awesome was it to have Oliver Shillington back out there with you? Oh, yeah, you know, he's worked uh, really hard to get back. You know, mental health is a huge thing, and, um, you know, everybody supported him. And, um, you know, I guess if you could take one thing out of that game, it's having him back in the lineup and I'm extremely happy to you know have him in the dress room and and get to know him more and I'm happy to have him on on the team. Mackenzie thanks for doing this hey good luck on Saturday. Thank you. That is Mackenzie Weger post game following tonight's 5-2 setback against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Flames talk post game is underway it's uh, Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills we're here at the hot stove lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome Apple Spotify Google Amazon or wherever you get your podcast and of course live right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan uh, Flames fall 5-2 to Columbus. The phone lines will be open at 403-240-4444. The text line will be open at 960-960. Mick, I I think we were all on board. Really liked the first period. I know it was Mm 2-2, but they played really well. Looked like in a good position to kind of just keep on going and maybe the bad bounces start going their way. And then... 40 minutes where it looked completely different from the the first 20. That's a that's a frustrating night here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Yeah, I liked their first period. I mean, it wasn't stellar, but it was overall quite good. They had a shot mentality, net front presence. They were defending well, breaking the puck out, managing the puck well also in, in getting it through the neutral zone and then just sort of went downhill from there and um you know, I said to Wilsey on our way down here, they just, they look tired. They look deflated. They yeah. look flat. So um, I, I'm not sure what the answer is to in terms of, you know, sorting that out. But they definitely needed to be much better tonight. Their power play wasn't dangerous enough. And they just couldn't seem to, to find anything. have to give Columbus credit for, they definitely made some adjustments after the first period in terms of the way that they were playing, the way that they were defending. And really tightened up their checking and were, were taking away a lot. But the Flames just overall just 
looked really disconnected and quite flat. To that point, Wilsey, uh, Flames had three high dangers in the first at five on five. They had one period in the final 40 uh, as at five on five and three when you count in the six on five and the power play. They just could not or would not get to the middle in this game. Yeah, I thought they were pretty good, despite being pretty unlucky in the first period. Yeah. It could have been 2 nothing. The first goal was just an awful bounce off the referee, which led to basically an empty netter for Yegor Chinikov. And then the second goal, Jacob Markstrom comes out to play it, and you know his, his clearing attempt up the boards wasn't bad. He was just a little slow getting back into the net, and Damon Severson smartly just slaps the puck to the net, and it goes in. So one nothing and then 2-1. But the Flames, I thought, did a really good job bouncing back from both of those goals against. They got them both back. It's 2-2 going to period number two. And for the second straight game, they give up a shorthanded goal that really seemed to take the wind out of their sails. And I didn't really like them from the get-go in period number two, but uh, I thought things got harder for them after Alex Texier scored that uh, shorthanded goal at 6:33. And again, you can call it a bad bounce, and in a way it was. How often do you see a player take a shot that goes right off the goal post and bounces right back to him so he can put it into an empty net? The first three goals were basically empty netters for the Blue Jackets. Uh, but as I said to Megan, as we were kind of signing off after the broadcast, teams tend to earn their breaks. And I'm not sure the Flames, with what I yeah. thought was a pretty uninspired final 40 minutes, earned their breaks tonight. It's our uh, Flames Talk post-game show. Uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg here as the Flames fall 5-2 to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And uh, we say hello now to uh, Flames assistant coach Dan Lambert, who joins us here in the Hot Stove Lounge. Dan, how, how do you uh, how do you kind of sum that one up after what looked like a, a really solid, I know the score was 2-2, but a solid first. What uh, I guess what were your observations on this one tonight? Yeah, I thought we came out really well. <clears throat> you know, they are... Uh, a hard working team and, and they track hard they're young they have a lot of skill I thought we came out hard um, <clears throat> had a, a good first period unfortunately got a couple bounces that went their way which um, you know we didn't respond to uh, overly well I guess um, when you look at our second period I, I thought we we just took on a lot of water and, and you know things didn't go great and then in the third I mean you know they, they, they score a goal and we're down by one or and then we give up uh, a power play goal which you know you have to kill off five minutes and uh, never easy yeah and yeah i mean we we tried to push we but at the end of the day it just wasn't there you just mentioned the response and it just it wasn't quite there what do you think is sort of behind that in terms of the push if you're trying and pushing and it's just not coming or you know is is it the effort's not there what do you see well i don't I don't think it's the effort. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think the guys want to. I think the will is there. I think, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, when things don't go well, it just there's a lot of weight there, and I and I think there's a, that's what the guys are feeling right now. Okay. I mean, we've we have a few players that haven't put up points for a while, and and uh, they're probably you know feeling it, and and uh, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, we did have some looks, and we had looks where we fanned on pucks. We had looks where we just you know didn't bury them and um yeah it's just the way it's going right now and, and we got to find a way to to change it 
The big story going into this game was Oliver Shillington playing his first NHL game in 609 days. And I think the organization from top to bottom deserves a lot of credit for supporting them the way they have. And he deserves a lot of credit uh, for getting to where he is. What did you think of him uh, playing for the first time since May of 2022? And I thought a pretty good 13-plus minutes tonight. Yeah, you know what? It, it's it's pretty amazing that you know he's only played two American League games in, in that long of a time and and uh he came out there and and to be honest with you his his skating looked really good um I thought he had some real good breakouts early in the game and and uh, and he looked really comfortable um obviously again I'm gonna say they are a good forechecking team and they made they make it hard on on whoever they play against um but I thought that Oliver handled especially you know he got out there quite a bit uh, quite I guess quite a few more minutes in the third period, and I thought he handled it pretty well. Uh, he did look a little bit tired at times, yeah. but but you know what? Um, in saying that, it's it's pretty amazing that he's able to to come back and play those minutes after being off for that long. We're chatting with Dan Lambert, Flames assistant coach, five two setback against Columbus here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. One of the one of the players that we really liked on Tuesday, and and then again tonight, Matt, Matt Coronado. Where where is his game uh, trending in your eyes right now? How are you seeing it? Well, you know what, Matt. Matt's a well, first of all, he's an unbelievable young man, and, and he, he always gives you effort. And uh, I thought that last game he easily could have had two or three goals. It just didn't go in for him. And uh, and tonight, again, I thought he had some good looks. He's, he's, he's working hard. He's carrying the puck through the neutral zone, trying to make things happen. And, uh, you know, I... When, like, for example, if he scores one the other night, he probably gets another one tonight, you know, because that's how things go at times. But I, uh, we have liked his game, I think, uh, his effort, and, uh, you know, he's going to play in the NHL for a long time if he continues yeah. to, to push that way. One guy I wanted to ask about was uh, Mackenzie Weger. Obviously continues to just have a tremendous amount of offensive success. But, you know, watching his all-around game, you look at how physical he is. He's second on the team in hits, his ability to, to break up plays. What do you think it is about, you know, his the season that he's had um, and how he's been able to play so well on a consistent basis? <clears throat> well, you know what, it, for him it probably started – after last season when he went and played for Team Canada and, and had an unbelievable tournament. Um, I, I watched a lot of the, those games and I thought he was one of their better players and, and I think the confidence grew and I think that that's it's kind of carried over for, for this season. And, and confidence is a big thing in this game and, and uh, he certainly is playing with confidence and, and uh, he's been a, a horse for us all season long and, and uh, you know it's great to have him play that way. Dan, I know you're not going to make any excuses for what happened tonight or what's happened in the last four games, so I'm not trying to set you up for that. But I do have to ask if you think mental and physical fatigue could be a factor for the team right now. Uh, for me, it raised the red flag when you gave the guys last Friday and Sunday off, which kind of told me that uh, maybe fatigue was a bit of a factor of late. Well, I mean, sometimes those days off are mandatory by the league, so you know they're, um, they're days that you have to pre-give I guess at the start of the month um, <clears throat> but there's no doubt that when you look at we, we've had a, a, a harder month you know and, and that's not it's not excuses it's life in the NHL yeah. and it's you know we have a lot of young players right now that are going through it for the first time and that's not easy mm -hmm. and uh, and that's not again no excuses whatsoever but it's reality and it's it's what we're living right now and and uh, we got to find a way to have a great game on Saturday. Mm -hmm.
Thank you very much for doing this, Dan. Good luck on Saturday, hey? Thank you very much. That is Dan Lambert, Flames uh, assistant coach, joining us here post-game following tonight's 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We are underway on your Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames will finish off this homestand on Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks. As, um, we continue along on our Flames Talk post-game. Marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Wilsey, let's pick up on the question you asked uh, Dan Lambert, and that was about Oliver Shillington, who returned to the lineup for the first time, uh, his first NHL game in 610 days, 609 days, 19 months, and 30 days between NHL games for Oliver Shillington. Uh, tonight he plays 13 minutes and 16 seconds in his return. First of all, it was awesome to see him back out there. It was awesome to hear the ovation. We'll hear from him a little bit later on here in our Flames Talk post game. Uh, what do we think of the night for Oliver, friends? Well, as I said, I think the entire organization from the top down deserves a lot of credit. I can't imagine that anybody could have handled this situation better than the Calgary Flames organization did. The way they supported Oliver Shillington, yeah. the way they were patient with him and just let him do what he had to do and you know, didn't push him to, to come back any sooner than he was ready to. Uh, just outstanding. Uh, and I also give Oliver a lot of credit. You know, he didn't give up on his NHL career. He, he battled and he put in the work off the ice and put in the work on the ice and had to wait a long time, as you mentioned, Pat. Didn't play a game since May of 2022. And I, I tip my cap to, to Flames fans, too. Uh, not just the 17,000 that were inside Scotiabank Saddledome tonight, but to all the people who have showed Oliver some love, whether it be on social media or the Internet or, or whatever. Um, and a great response is, as he was introduced uh, inside the Sea of Red tonight. And I thought, for the most part, he kind of looked like his old self. I mean, he didn't forget how to skate, that's for sure. Uh, and... I was afraid that he might be uh, a little tentative tonight, but there were some opportunities to jump up offensively, and he took those opportunities and was was pretty smart in, in the reads that he made and the, in the pinches that he did. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure he was tired mentally and physically uh, because I'm sure there was a lot of buildup for him just getting ready to play this game, but I quite liked him in the 13 minutes and 16 seconds that he played tonight. That was a, a great starting point for Oliver Shillington in his return to the NHL. Yeah, I would... Uh echo your comments obviously on the way that the flames have supported oliver through his entire journey and uh, being patient with him and the fans as well it's yeah. been really wonderful to see and just what he's accomplished i mean it's it's so inspiring and what a great role model for all the young flame young flames fans out there um in terms of just resilience um so i just think what he has done is is very inspiring i will say i am not surprised that he played as well as he did yeah. tonight at all you kind of telegraphed um, it on the pregame show hey? yeah like i mean i've been through two i guess gaps of time being away from the game i was away i didn't play a game from uh, it was february of 2014 until january of 2016 so i went 23 months without playing a game when i had my son and then my daughter it was uh i was i didn't play a game for 18 months so uh you know 
as someone who has been away from playing games at a high level, like you don't forget how to play the game and you do all of the things off the ice that you need to do to make sure that you're physically prepared from what we've heard from Ryan Huska. That was never a concern. Yeah, Uh, It was Oliver Shillington, his conditioning and the work that he puts in from that standpoint. So that was, that was never a concern, but you know, you, you surprise yourself when you play those first games back. I remember my first game back, I did like a spinner M at the blue line, which is not in my repertoire to do. And I was like, <laughs> Whoa, like, did I just do that? Um, and so, you know, you don't lose that your ability when you've played the game your entire life, that's not something that you lose. It stays with you. Uh, and obviously his skating ability was on full yeah, display. I yeah. mean, that was just, that was so impressive to me, his skating and um, his reads as well. And I thought his timing, uh, that's something that often it takes a couple of games to come back. But to me, it looked like it was pretty close to being bang on. So I think that, you know, it was a, it was a really impressive, game from him really happy for him like I said I'm not surprised and I think that he'll just continue to go up from here the one thing that is tough to get back is like your skating legs in terms of your conditioning and playing a game there's nothing like playing a hockey game you can ride the bike for hours on end you can practice for a month two months straight there's nothing like playing a hockey game so that does take a little bit of time to come back but not long let me ask you this so Oliver missed about 20 months. You missed about 23 months. Based on your experience, do you think game two is going to be harder for him than game one? Or no, no. No. Okay. I think the game one, the emotions that come along with that, it just in recognizing, um, you know, and this is speaking from my experience. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, uh, you know, about Oliver's, but in my first game back, it was, there was a lot of emotions and nerves and anxiousness off the start in terms of, you know, you've been through a long journey and a process. You've been through a lot and, you know, early on, you, you there's a lot of buildup to that. So the anticipation of playing the game um, mentally and emotionally, that's really tiring. But once you get that out of the way, then it's like, then you can just kind of get into a rhythm, get into a groove. Um, and the more that you play games that, you know, that conditioning that I just mentioned, the more that you do that, the easier it becomes. And, you know, now he has this first game, it's under his belt and you can go back and you can watch a little bit of video and adjust kind of tweak here and there, but you can kind of get into a rhythm and get into a groove. Uh, also thought it was notable that when they sat down Jordan Osterley in the uh, third mm-hmm. period, basically the entire third, Shillington got to go out and they, they rotated through five, which uh, I think is a, a real show of where he was in his first game back. So congrats to Oliver Shillington back in the lineup for the first time since May of 2022. Played just over 13 minutes in his return to the Flames. Awesome to see. Let's select tonight's hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech Canyon's hiring send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com which way are we going tonight Mick? well I'm going to go with the guy that I just uh, talked about, no, I, if that's about what a little bit. I mean you, like you can't say enough good things about what he's done and what he's accomplished and um, you know having been away from the game for that long I know it is hard and it's a lot you have to put in a lot of work to get yourself ready to play your first game back and 
I just think it was so impressive the way that he played tonight. And I think there's only really good things ahead for Oliver Shillington. And Oliver Shillington is tonight's hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Yes, sir. Honorable mention for me goes to Mackenzie Weger. Yes. So I think he's really, and, and I'm not saying he wasn't a leader before this last stretch of games, but uh, I think he's really emerged as a, a bigger leader inside that Flames dressing room with some of the very pointed comments he's had after these four tough-to-swallow losses. And maybe we're going to hear the same thing from Mackenzie tonight, but, you know, he scores again. There is one defenseman in the NHL who has more goals than Mackenzie Weger. A seventh-round pick, by the way. And that guy was the first overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin, who has one more goal than Mackenzie Weger. He's had a career year offensively. He had four shots, eight attempts, three hits, a block shot. That guy has been putting his money where his mouth is. He scored for a third straight game tonight, and he's been talking post-game about how we have to be better. Well, he's been better. And now he needs guys to follow suit. More, um, anyway. And uh, more bad news for the Flames. That A.J. Greer injury did Ugh. not look good. No. So uh, he did not return, uh, went down in the second period, did not come back. That looks like a lower body injury that's uh, going to keep him out. Uh, well, kept him out for this game. I don't want to guess from there on out, but took a tripping penalty on it and also went into the boards really, really awkward. Uh, we're going to hear from Ryan Huska momentarily, but Logan just told me no update there, but that did not look good. And on a day where you lose Adam Rzitska on waivers. Right, so it, it the depth took a bit of a blow today. Yep. Well, and uh, if he's not ready to come back or if he's uh, having to miss any time, they did recall Walker Dewar from the American yep. League today and potentially Who, open the next? door for, is it Emilio Pedersen? Is it uh, Clark Bishop? Is it, uh, you know, is Cole Schwentz already up? You know, there's... Jacob Pelche is going to play this weekend for the Wranglers. Maybe a little early for him to come back for Saturday, but maybe after the All-Star yep. break, yep. Pelche getting back in not that far off either. Uh, yes, head coach Ryan Huska shortly. Uh, first, some final thoughts. 5-2, your final score. Flames fall to Columbus. Final thoughts from our broadcast duo, starting with Mick. Yeah, didn't mind the start, like I said, and just in terms of their shot mentality and their willingness to go to those hard areas in the front of the net, but they needed to do that for 60 minutes and to find a way to do that for 60 minutes and against teams like you're going to play against teams that are really good at defending and that take away your time and space so that is not going to change so it's not going to get any easier to generate offense so they're going to have to find a way to get past tight checking teams and, and to generate offense that way uh, their power play needs to be much better they they got to get that thing going like it, it is hurting them way too much in way yeah. too many games um, yeah the, the drop off in this game was it was concerning so um, I think a day off would do them good I think they looked you know mentally tired deflated flat uh, take the day reset uh, and and do what you need to do to come and win a hockey game on Saturday yeah and the thing about the power play is I think you could live with it if it at least generated some chances and some momentum right if you don't score you've got to at least do that what you can't do is give the other team chances and momentum which is what the Flames have done the last two games they surrendered a shorthanded goal for the second straight game. And I wouldn't say that tonight's 
shorthanded goal was as much of a backbreaker as what we saw against the Blues on Tuesday, but I did think there was a drop in their play tonight, Mm -hmm. just like there was on Tuesday night. So, yeah, they've got to get that figured out. Uh, Desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, Ryan Huska was trying some new stuff in the third period. We saw him mixing up the power play personnel. We saw him swap Elias Lindholm and Nazem Kadri. So... This team's got to get it going. I mean, they've got one game before the break. You absolutely have to win it. If, if you want to give yourself a chance to, to stay in the fight for a playoff spot, you cannot lose another game to a, a bottom feeder. Uh, the Blue Jackets, I thought, played a good road game tonight. Um, but you got the Blackhawks coming in. And they've already beat the Flames once. So the Flames shouldn't be caught off guard by a team who's going to work. If you match that work, I think you win the hockey game on Saturday night, and and you've got to win the hockey game on Saturday night. Listen, the Flames didn't have a lot of puck luck tonight, but as I said, you make your own breaks. And unfortunately, after a pretty good first period where they could have had a one- or two-goal lead, maybe should have had a one- or two-goal lead, they didn't. They were still in prime position to win this hockey game. And... The final 40 minutes were pretty uninspiring, so hopefully we see a, a more inspired Flames team when the Blackhawks come to town on Saturday night. See you on Saturday, friends. Enjoy your Friday off. Eh? Yeah, you too. Thanks, Good Pat. night, Pat. You too. Uh, Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson signing off here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as your final score, 5-2. Flames fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska right now. First of all, I mean, how did you see Oliver and, and the jolt, the energy that seemed to come through the building with the, him in the starting line? Yeah, I, I thought he did a really good job tonight. You know, he he was one of the bright spots for our team, for sure. And then you putting him in the starting lineup, just the, the symbolism behind that. Um, just, it was a big moment for him. You know, you're proud of him for what he's gone through. It's, he's had a tough stretch, and um, and I think a lot of people recognize the challenges probably that he would have faced, and it was nice to see the ovation that he did get. Ryan, what bugs you most about tonight's effort? Um, first period was good for us. Second period, not good, and then we were flat the rest of the way. You know, yeah, um, maybe the thing that bugs me the most probably, I would say, um, Ryan, is the, the power play. That that stuff is, is a couple games now. It's cost us, I find, and, and it's it sucked the wind right out of our sails. So penalty kill has done a good job of trying to keep us in it but I feel like our penalty kills more dangerous than our power play right now and that's not a good thing. Any updates on AJ Greer? I don't I'm sorry not yet. It has felt it felt from honestly the beginning of November up until probably about a week ago like there was progress yeah this group was getting better and better yeah and, and I, and I, now maybe a little bit of regression over the last week. Yeah we, we've taken a step back for sure um, you know the game against Toronto there was a lot of good things in there it, it, really the two games that we're not overly pleased with our last two. Um, and those ones are tougher to swallow when you're in a fight right now. And, and those are points that when you're at home, you, you want to make sure you're doing everything you can to get those points. Um, and I don't feel like we had the necessary energy that we had to play with tonight for a consistent basis. And are there areas specifically that you've seen the step back in? Um, I, I, I feel like a whether it's our game is loose or whether we're not playing with that same get up and go. I don't feel like we have the same pressure on on teams right now. I feel like we're a second late and we're standing and and watching a little bit. So that's either a sign of a tired team or a team that um, just isn't as sharp as it needs to be. 
It's been a strength of your team at different points this season. It hasn't really been the same way the last couple of games. Have you yeah. noticed something specifically about no, third periods? You know, group? well, I, I think a lot of it comes from the way we've been. I, I, I mentioned a step behind. Um, but eventually, if you're always coming back in the third periods, eventually you're not going to be able to do it. And, and I think we've we've probably done that too often. But it, the the concerning part is the the get up and go that wasn't there, and that's what we need to find for for Saturday night. How much more concerning is it that all this played out tonight against a team like Columbus that is as low as it is in the standing? Yeah, I've said before, if you're not at your very best, you're not going to win. It doesn't matter who you're playing, whether a team's below you in the standings or above you in the standings. If you're at your very best, you have a chance to win every night. But because of the way the league is, um, there isn't a team that's out of it uh, in regards to winning a game on a nightly basis. If you don't bring your best, pretty good chance you're not winning. It's been over 130 games now that this group has been together. Like, like, do you have any theories as to why they haven't figured out how to win consistently yet, Ryan? Um, if I had my total finger on that, it would have changed by now. So we'll, we'll still grind away. And um, you make sure, we make sure that our, our game on Saturday night is, there, there has to be some juice from our team consistently, not just the start. And if something goes sideways or, or we get a bad bounce against us, you move on. It's the next play that matters, and that's the mentality we want our guys to have. What are your messages, considering you just saw Chicago and you yeah. haven't had the results that you yeah. want against them, and what you're saying now applies to them? Oh, need absolutely. And again, like I'll say it again, it doesn't matter where a team is in the standings. you got to make sure your game's where it needs to be. What did you see on the hit that got Hubert out last? Um, you know, I, there was a, a fair amount of blood, and I think that was one of the reasons why it was a five-minute major. Um, I thought it was a penalty, um, but I, I, I do think it was a little bit from the side. But I think because of, of the blood, the referees had to kind of make that call. Alex mentioned the frustration about not only losing four games but doing it at home. Yeah. That's a sentiment that you share, that losing yep. at home is going to yep. change? Yeah, for sure. It sucks. Yeah. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game following tonight's 5-2 setback against the Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, we're underway. It's your Flames Talk post game show. Pat Steinberg along with you. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. Four straight losses for Calgary. The best they're going to be able to do on this six-game homestand is two wins, uh, and they need to get that win on Saturday against Chicago. Uh, uh, lots more to get to. Phone calls, text coming up. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, live right here. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddle. They'll make it four straight losses now for the Flames as they drop a 5-2 decision against the Columbus Blue Jackets, an ugly one here at the Dome. Uh, look, that that final 40 minutes for a team that's supposed to be in a playoff chase, that didn't look urgent. That didn't look uh, desperate. That looked listless. That looked like a team that, yeah, maybe they're tired. I don't know. And they've been at home for five straight. Should they be the Every second day, and then a three-day break, and then every second day, I don't know, should they be tired? I mean, I, I get they've played a lot of hockey. I do get that. But, you know, it's an 82-game NHL season. That's part of what goes along with it. So I don't know how much of an excuse you can really make that. Um, I, is that a team that just is getting frustrated and losing composure? Is that a team that is is too easily knocked off of games all of a sudden? 
I don't know, but that final 40 minutes of play after, again, not all that dissimilar to the St. Louis game where I thought they played a really solid first, I don't know, 35, 37 minutes, whatever it was, until the Braden. No, it was uh, about a really good almost full 40 until the Shen goal. So 38, 38 minutes or whatever it was until the Shen goal, and then the game completely turns on its side and a listless third period. St. Louis ends up winning with the sod heartbreaker. Well, tonight... They never had a lead. They were down one nothing. They were down two one. But those bad bounces that that allowed Columbus to score their first two goals, the Flames erased them on both on both accounts. And they had this ability to, yeah, okay. They got back to even both times. They were the clearly better team in the first period. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know. I, and give Columbus credit; they played a very solid road game and had lots of good performances. But didn't like the way they came out to start the second period. Thought they were flat. They got that power play. And then the the shorthanded goal from Texier. And again, you could just feel the air come out of the building and out of the team. And the Flames had nothing from that point on. It was 3-2 after 40. I remember talking to Logo in the second intermission. He was like, that was not a very good period. But, you know, you're only down by one. You were the better team in the first. Come out and play better in the third. And then they were worse they had five five-on-five shot attempts in the third period. I, gr- I Granted, like most of the back half of the third period was either the power play, the five-minute major that Huberdeau took on the, uh, on the check, or then them pulling their goalie once the power play came to an end. So there wasn't a lot of five-on-five time in the back half of the third. But still, even though five, they, they still played 12 minutes and 17 seconds of five-on-five time, and they got five shot attempts at five-on-five. The Flames generated one slot opportunity in their final 40 minutes of play they, at five-on-five five and three overall. Final high dangers at Natural Statric were 11-6 Columbus and 6-4 at five-on-five, five, and three of those six or three of those four uh, at five-on-five five came in the first period. We, we heard... Dennis Gilbert used the term unacceptable on Tuesday. You're probably going to hear that a lot from our checks inside the locker room tonight. That was, you cannot win hockey games against Columbus or Chicago, let alone St. Louis or the middle of the pack teams, and definitely Colorado or Edmonton or Vegas and the good teams if you're going to have 40 minutes or 20 minutes where you're that off it and that listless. goes back to that's... A middle of the pack team and the the roller coaster is what the middle of the pack teams ride and and right now the roller coaster is not a lot of fun because it's down near the bottom and there's another loss make it four straight flames get swept by columbus in the season series eight two. the blue jackets win on aggregate in the three nothing and the five two victories over the flames unfortunately and maybe the worst part of all of this is that it kind of i don't want to say spoiled but Takes a little bit of um, takes a little bit of the shine or the luster off of Oliver Shillington's return to action. Such an awesome story. Should have given them a boost. Maybe it did in the first period. I don't know, but that really makes it less of a less of a shiny story. Good for Oliver. He played 13 minutes and 16 seconds in his first NHL game in 610 days. Let's uh, turn it a little bit more positive. Good for Oliver Shillington. Was awesome to see him back. What a like the 
the the the hellish and dark spots that that guy had to battle through, the road that he had to travel to get from May 22nd of 2022 to January 25th of 2024, that was not an easy road. He did it. He's back in the NHL. Let's hear from him post game inside the Flames locker room. Maybe not the way you drew it up, Oliver, but uh, no doubt special to get back in there tonight and contribute. Yeah, no, for sure, special, special for me personally, but stinks a little bit uh, after the game, for sure. But uh, yeah, obviously you uh, wanted us, or I wanted us to win, so um, yeah, it's a little tough feeling right after. How do you assess overall, you know, not only your play, but uh, how you felt? I felt pretty good. I just try to keep it simple from the beginning and just uh, the game just come to me and I just try to keep it simple. And, and uh, I felt, uh, got some looks and I felt uh, the game came to me. So uh, I just have to progress like this and, and keep going. What, uh, what was going through your head as you, as you saw the people rising when your game was announced and starting live there? What was what you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's touching for sure. It's, it really is. Uh, I just want to give it back, you know? Uh, I just want to show my abilities on the ice and I think that's my way to give it back so I uh, have to work hard and, and uh, keep going here and, and I want to show my best so uh, yeah it stinks right now but we have to look forward for Saturday. Oliver does it blow you away that this fan base has kind of been supporting you and rooting for you the way they have I, I know that's not lost on you. Yeah I mean this was nothing I could ever expect so uh, when you see uh, people writing to you, people sharing for you, applauding you. It really touches you in a way where I wasn't expecting. So um, it means a lot, but uh, like I said, uh, I want to win. So, um, yeah, we have to look for it for Saturday. What is it feeling pregame? Is it nervousness? Is it excitement? Is it a bit of everything? I think it was more excitement. Uh, obviously, a little nervousness too, but, but in a good way. Uh, I just uh, try to trust my instincts and, and uh, uh, rely on what I'm good at and, and uh, just try to keep doing that. So. What does that mean to you that they put you in the starting lineup as a symbolic gesture almost? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was nice. Uh, so Husk uh, didn't have to do that, but uh, but it was nice to, to see the crowd sharing um, my name. So, yeah. You had a couple moments, I'm thinking mainly there was one where you sort of tapped the puck to yourself along the left boards and got around the outside and just sort of narrowly missed. Yeah. Did you have moments where you felt like, okay, cool, the game feels right, I'm, I'm back at this level? Pretty much after that moment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that I, uh, I regretted that I didn't take the puck to the net and, and break it to the second post. But, uh, yeah, no, I feel like I, I can still do what I'm doing. So, so I'll, I'm just going to keep, keep working at it and, and progress and, and hopefully uh, – Pucks will go in and, and we will get wins. Was there a moment where you kind of felt, oh yeah, this is the NHL and this is something you had maybe needed to be reminded of, of just how high level this is, or was it all? No, as not you really. Yeah, no, it was, no, no, it was normal for me. Yeah. Everything felt normal. Um, guys made it pretty easy to, for me to come in, so uh, I felt relaxed, I felt uh, excited, so no, it felt really normal for me. You, you had a few rushes up the ice when, you know, I think the, especially the first one, the first period, that you could, in the crowd, you could hear the fans going, what did you hear on the ice, and what goes through your mind when you hear the, the fans start get going for that? I feel like I hear them all, all the time, but but <laughs> I, uh, that play you're maybe talking about, I just try to take it to the net and and, and uh, make plays. So every time I, I get an offensive opportunity, I try to uh, just trust my instincts and and, and and do do what I can. So uh, 
but yeah, no, I, I just try to create and, and uh, help uh, my team win. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to do my best out there. There you go. That is Oliver Shillington post-game following tonight's 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So awesome to see Oliver back. It'll be awesome to see him back on Saturday as well. But, you know, the standing O he got, the uh, the hat tip, good, great great job by Ryan Huska putting him in the starting lineup. Um, I thought he looked good. I thought he played a solid 13-plus minutes. Nice to have him back. It's just awesome to see Oliver back. What an awesome story. And I'm glad... I'm glad that the you know the the almost seventeen thousand in this building tonight showed him the the appreciation and 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 we all knew they would like we all knew Flames fans were going to give this guy a standing O and and we all knew that they were going to cheer for him the first couple of shifts he were out there he was out there rather but even when it happens it's still awesome to see so good on Oliver and uh, awesome to see him back okay five to your final score let's. Uh, do this. It's uh, time for the save of the game following this one tonight. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Save of the game from Jacob Markstrom. Came in period number three. Here's Fantilli. Right wing side to Gaudreau. Gaudreau taking in behind Markstrom's net. Into the far corner. Leave a left point for Marchenko. He gives it back to Gaudreau. Saucers it back to the blue line to Severson. Severson. First circle. Gaudreau winds and fires. Markstrom the save. And he squeezes the puck and holds on. That ends up being one of the 27 saves made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Let's uh, dive in on the text line now at 960-960. Here we go. The phone lines are jammed. Uh, we'll get to them in just a second, but here we go on the text line at 960-960, starting with Claude, who says, Pat, four-game losing streak, all on home ice, getting swept by Columbus, more shorthanded scoring against, bad penalty by Huberdeau, bad rim by Markstrom, and no puck luck losing Rizicka. Getting number 58 back is the only good news story. Otherwise, all is looking grim. That comes from Claude. Yeah, that uh, when you run through that litany, not a lot of positive in that. Uh, this reads, glad, uh, this from Wedley, glad Oliver's back and happy in the end. That's what matters. I agree. Um, as I said in the pregame show in my intro, and I, I, still, um, I, I still would stand by this one, um, regardless of the result, tonight was a success because Oliver was back in. Good on him. Um, unfortunately, it it went in an other the game itself was an ugly one you would have liked to see it not be an ugly hockey game um this says uh, Chicago should be another nail biter on Saturday. At this point, there's nothing better to do but continue bringing up the American League players to see what they can do and what changes are needed for next year. This from Jeff in Lethbridge who says, can't complain as I'm on the tank train for this year. It feels like a throwaway year. If you squint long enough, Coronado looks like he could turn into something special. The highest pick possible for this upcoming draft should be the goal. Trading Markstrom, Lindholm, and Tanev would go a long way in helping this happen and setting the team up for the future. That's from Jeff in Lethbridge. Uh, by the way, I thought Coronado had himself another really solid game tonight. Good on him. Thought he played some solid hockey tonight. 
This from Joel and Cranston. Uh, this team basically, uh, this team's basic hockey skills are lacking, which leads me to wonder how hard they practice. This team cannot complete two passes in a row. Forwards have all kinds of trouble catching passes. The two-on-ones and three-on-twos often never produce a shot. Why is Kadri offside so much? He seems lazy coming out of the zone. That comes from Joel in Cranston. Um... This says, this night was a reflection of what this team is. How can they be so awful? They say that they do not know why they didn't show up. Really, how about uh, we withhold some of their salary? Very disappointed to watch this lackluster effort. Yes, some bad bounces. I'll give them that. Maybe Huska isn't the right guy for the job. I think it's a little silly to be talking about how a team that under a Hall of Fame coach last year uh, couldn't get themselves going, and now all of a sudden we're talking about Huska not being the right man for the job, 48 games in I actually think one of the things that has been a constant for most of this year maybe not so much recently where the work rate has dropped a little bit on this homestand but prior to that work rate work ethic commitment to those things has been one of their strengths so I'd push back that I've been quite impressed despite the record in the results I've been quite impressed with year one for Ryan Huska. I think he's done a lot of good things and, and has has done far more good than bad in his first year behind the bench. So I don't agree with that text myself, but fair enough. Um, this says another season, another choke. This team is so bad. No finish. Markstrom's been bad two games in a row since coming back. Time to rest him, bring up Wolf, so at least they have we have some reason to watch this sad team. Uh, Randy from Tom Hill says, well, it's about time they decided to tank the season Season. Unfortunately, we'll have to wait another seven years to get a competitive team. Um, this says, uh, that does it, and I am thrilled about it. Trade the following. Hannafin, Tanev, Lindholm, Coleman, Vladar, or Markstrom. Anything less than three first-round draft picks this year in Conroy's totally failed. Um, again, there's these arbitrary, um, arbitrary watermarks are quite interesting to me. I don't know if I agree with that myself. Um, this from Ash. Johnny seems cursed when it comes to earning a point against the Flames. Also, I'm wrong on a lot of my predictions, but I actually did predict DeSimone being claimed by the Devils, given New Jersey's closer to home for him and the Devils' lack of defensemen on their active roster. Finally, good riddance to Rizicka. It's about time. Um... And finally, this one, Kyle writes, a bit disappointing tonight. Lucky bounces that went the Jackets' way. You can't blame Markstrom for the first or third goals. A bit of a misread handle on the second, but he more than made up for that. That third goal would likely not have happened had Huberto not coughed up the puck after a bad shot, then stopped moving his feet and let the guy go. Had he back-checked, that rebound gets tied up. He's gone back to his old habits and is a liability on the ice of late. I hope he sits. Mistakes happen when you play hard, and Uyghur makes a few, but the guy's a workhorse, and he gets it back. You can't accuse him of not trying. Why was Zeri serving the major? He's one of their best players. I think he served another one earlier, too. Right now, the team's playing frustrated. Finally, Shillington, welcome back. You did great. Klapka, love your play. Physical and just a mammoth. There you go from Kyle. Um... I'll just answer the one question on Zeri. Part of the reason why Zeri kills penalties, uh, sorry, one of the reasons why Zeri served that penalties because he doesn't kill penalties on a regular basis. So if you're looking for a guy who's like 
Matthew Kachuk was always the designated guy on a too many men or something similar like in this case where a player gets kicked out of the game like Huberdo did. Matthew Kachuk didn't kill penalties here. So he was the guy that went into the box. And a lot of times you want to you want to put a guy who doesn't kill penalties, who has a little bit of offensive flair so that maybe you can exploit the opposing team when said player comes out of the penalty box. Uh, maybe catch a tired power play. Uh, and, and maybe catch somebody sneaking out and get the breakaway. But it, I, I think it's less about that and more about sometimes if a power play comes to an end, you catch a, a tired power play unit that's out there at the back of it. Now you get one of your better offensive players fresh out of serving a two-minute penalty. It's just a little thing that you can do. So that's why Zeri doesn't kill penalties the same way Kachuk didn't kill penalties. He can go to the penalty box. And then if if the power play expires with the penalty kill being successful, well, then you've got a fresh offensive player out there that maybe you can exploit something. Uh, great stuff on the text line at 960-960. We'll get back there very shortly. But right now to the phone lines following a 5-2 loss to Columbus. Phone lines open at 403-240-4444. It's your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We kick it off on the phone lines tonight by saying hello to Tim, what's going on, Tim? Hey, how's it going? I'm all right, man. How are you? Um, you know, great after that one. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You just wow. watched the masterpiece right there. Yeah, woof. That's awesome. Uh, just a couple things to say. Uh, sure. I just, I just think it's just, it's this is probably, it's hard to say, but it's probably better that the, you see these kind of games because you can see what they are, right? We're back at the like it's like the beginning of the season again, where you watch it and you're like, okay, who like the last game? Who who are the veterans that are pushing to get everyone ready to go? And I get they're all professionals again, but same thing. Who are the guys pushing the guys to let's get going, guys? Let's start start on time. Let's Chicago don't do it. This game sort of run into the same problem in periods. I just think it's like okay, you need to make make a short list of what veterans are you going to keep to train to help the kids. The kids look good. I'm pretty happy with the kids that are coming up. Uh, and the kids you're going to get from the trades look good, but I think it's just like a reality check. Like, okay, the, the the guys who don't, the guys who are in between guys that don't fill an actual role, like if you're not a scorer and you're a third-line player, are you replaceable? Is there a kid that can replace you? Like, do you know what I mean? I, I'm just tired of collecting guys that are like not top guys and not bottom guys, but guys that sit in the middle and they, they don't, they don't go anywhere. They don't add anything. There's so many games we've watched where you well, have all these guys that are similar size and they don't, like, okay, if, if the Flames play harder games, like you play as you're getting further in the season, the games get harder, and you need to have guys that can get to the net, and so many guys don't get, can't get to the net or don't get to the net. So, um, I, I do think they're starting to run out of, guys that can that you can you know plausibly or credibly say yep that those are guys that right now could replace an everyday NHLer um when it comes to their farm team i mean i do think that they're starting to to run out of those guys because they have used their their number one affiliate as much as they have this year i'm i'm curious about Pedersen. i don't know if 
now would be the time because right now you're looking to fill a fourth-line role, so you might be looking somewhere else. But Emilio Pettersson I'm interested in at some point. Um, there's, uh, you know, at, at some point Jeremy Poirier, if, if he does return this year from a pretty gruesome injury I'm curious about. Um, Jacob Pelche is coming back, and that's an interesting one too. But short of that, I mean, Clark Bishop's a little bit of an older guy, but I know they're, they're really big fans of his. But, I mean, and, and then I guess the two defensemen that we've already seen in Kuznetsov and Solovyov, you could look at if if needed. So I, I guess what I'm saying is they're just you're saying everybody who's in in a second or a third or a fourth line role who's replaceable. I just you're, they're starting to kind of run out of young players that that they can insert into the lineup, even if they were to do that. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I I get that. I get we don't have a huge cast of guys, but I just feel like we're sort of I get we're trying to claw into the playoffs, but. If you if you watch these games, it's the same thing that keeps happening. Like beginning of the year, middle of the year, where we are right now. Sorry, like if you break it into segments, it's sort of the same. We can sort of drift back in the same spot. We get to a point where it's games that keep mattering more, and they just don't. The veterans you have can't, and it's it's talent. It's based on talent too. But you watch games where they work hard. They, you see the team working hard through the game, and they lose. As a Flames fan, you're like, okay, well, at least they worked hard, right? We want to win. But you can see it. There's enough people that know hockey. You can see it. But when you watch games where they get beat and then they just slowly just, I wouldn't say quit, but just don't Yeah, but I would any, say, Tim, that, that, that the, those those nights have been few and far between this year, in my opinion. There, there have been very few games this year where the Flames have been the team that you're describing. I mean, maybe St. Louis and maybe this game against Columbus. Those those are some of the only ones I can even think of where uh, there, there was the Minnesota loss, maybe. Um, and I don't know, may, maybe that St. Louis loss all the way back in October. Like They are few and far between, in my opinion, where you can say, oh, they just stopped working or they got they got outworked uh, routinely or uh, they waved the white flag like that that's been one of the things that I've found to be quite encouraging about this group is that that stuff happens a whole lot less yeah I, I agree with that for the most part I just find like it's just hard watching that like it seems like when they get in a spot where it's where it's like okay we're close we need to make a push yeah it's I agree like with that break. it's a yep. break like they don't they can't and it could be the thing you've been saying, like we're middle of the middle of the pack team. I get that, but even in the effort, like you're at home and you're trying to you're trying to you're in front of your own fans, you would think like this game, there should be an extra motivation to push because you're like we don't want to be embarrassed again in front of our own fans. Like in this situation, in the other game against St. Louis, you're in the last. Yeah, I agree. I agree with it, that. They let these up, last two, like, these last two have been frustrating like that um that 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 is like i i got i'm with you 100 percent on that i guess all i'm saying is is that um that those have been few and far between this year i think like and just to finish off i just i just feel like and i get it there a veteran a veteran player isn't going to solve all the problems but i don't understand how if we're looking to the future like watching coleman and watching backland i can see them as being part of a solution to help the kids grow I can see their positions in the team and their value, right, as we move forward with right. the kids. But, or, sorry, as the team moves forward with the kids. But I, I have a hard time in games like this and other games that we've seen where it's just like where are those leaders – like I watched Tanev. I know we have to trade him, but his value is there, and I would say, yeah, I have to trade him. But, like, I don't see that. 
in these games where you're watching veterans drop in front of shots and try. Like you see, a, you can tell the difference, right? There's guys that are can't don't want to lose, can't can't lose, have to have to push. Right. And it just feel like we get into a lot of games where the veterans we have that are good players, you just don't see it, right? And I just wonder if that's the thing you, you like. You want to train the kids how to be better and have these have this will, but. A lot. We see a lot of veterans where they're just sort of standing there. And it's just like, aren't you guys supposed to be the ones? Like, if you look at Tanev, there's no way you can say, "Hey, Tanev, you should be trying harder." As he gets shots off right. the face, and, right? Like you, these other veterans should be in that category. Like, I'm not saying yeah, you got to drop I, I mean, I, shots, but I, I think that there, are, and I, I do think there are a few others that you could put in that category as well. But I hear what you're saying, and and look, I mean, there's probably going to be. Um, significant change with the veterans on this team between now and March 8th. Like we're probably going to see at least two veterans no longer with this team um, before the trade deadline. So yeah, there's um, I, I, I hear you. Like I, I, I get it. What you're saying that like, you know um, if, if it's not working, essentially if it's not working with this, with this group, with this group of veterans, you know, may, maybe it's time to, to change and continue going younger. So we'll, it, it, it kind of feels like that's the way things are heading here, Tim. Yeah. I just feel like it. I hope it's more veterans. Like there's guys you keep and I like Backlund's been a good captain. Coleman's been good. Weger I've liked Anderson. I've liked, there's the guys you're going to keep, but it feels like we really need to, because we're back here again, right? This isn't just now. This isn't looking at a couple games now. It's like looking at the year, almost two years. I get it. Very similar thing, right? You have enough of a track record to know when the going gets tough, who shows up. Yep. And if the guys that you have are these guys, and you know me, I'm always on man Japani, but (laughs) like if you're not a scorer, and you're not you're not a you're not a, a physical guy, and you're not a guy who goes to the net, and you're you're a 200 foot player. That's great to have those guys, but it feels like the kids are going to start to take those positions, and then you need guys who are those other pieces. So, anyways, got to wrap up, Tim. Rant. Yep, I appreciate the call, man. Good to hear from you again. Hey, yeah, man. Have a good night. You too, Tim. Thank you, man. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames fall by a 5-2 score to the Columbus Blue Jackets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's say hello to Travis on the phone lines tonight. What's up, Trav? Hey, Pat. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, that's pretty frustrating, but that's uh, hasn't that, that's what the Flames do year in, year out. Is, uh, they just don't get up for, for bottom feeder teams. Never. Yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of. I mean, the the I, I will say the twenty one twenty two teams were the uh, aberration in that. That team with Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm in that line. That team obliterated bottom feeder teams. But you're right. Uh, more often than not, this has kind of been the uh, mo for the group, and certainly last season and this year, it's been the mo for the team. I sure that's probably why we missed the playoffs is because of that. It. Uh, yep. yep. And then the, this year, you know. We're kind of in the fight, playing pretty good, and then now we drop four straight, <laughs> and yep. it's it's just it's frustrating, but maybe a blessing in dis- in disguise too, you know. Hey, you're on you're yeah. on team tank, so maybe for, for you, wouldn't it be a, a blessing in disguise? I think so. I think I just think let's not sugarcoat this. We think people always think, oh, it's a team. Let's just get in. Maybe we can make some noise. And, you know, I, I like to believe that at times, too, but I don't think it's realistic. <laughs> it's just, what has this team shown us? 
this is it's been brutal for years. You know, it's uh, it's a team that's lacking in many areas, and I don't I don't get it because you feel like they have a lot of good pieces, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think that I think that we are. I, I think that we we know that this group is is one that can play with good teams on any given night, but also can do what we just saw them do tonight, and that is lose to uh, a team that had one regulation win in their last nineteen. So, you know that that's that's what this team kind of is. They're a middle of the pack team this year, right? Like that that is the Calgary Flames, how they are constructed right now. They're a middle of the pack team and we're now forty eight games into this season for the Flames. You know, I, I think that's probably a pretty fair assumption in terms of what they're going to be for the rest of the years. And I think that, that is probably the the same conclusion that Craig Conroy and his management group are, are probably looking at as well. Uh, previous person said um, if this team doesn't have three first-round picks, it's a failure. I wonder if they remember last time we had three first round picks in a job. No, 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 don't. I don't want to talk about 2013. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying, though, right? Pat? I know. I, like, that, that, that's... No, I will say that, in, and, and this is uh, this will be draft number two for Craig Conroy, but I will say that you know Craig Conroy has been on this, this management crew for a long time. Amateur scouting is, has been much better for the team since the 2013 draft. Fair enough. I apologize for all the background noise coming in. I, uh, the call came a little quick, so I apologize if there's just a bunch of background noise there. You're um, good. Yeah, so, but I guess I kind of heard maybe, um, I heard it somewhere today, I think, that uh, maybe the Flames would be more looking at, like, um, actual prospects instead of draft picks because, you know, they're just a little bit further along, and when you're doing a retool instead of maybe a complete rebuild, that, that's obviously going to... Uh, speed up the process, right? That's kind of what what we think they're going to do. Until we start seeing the moves they make, we can't. We we don't know for sure. But it sure does feel like that's the way they're going to go. Is is they're not not tearing this thing down to the studs. They're not trading everybody they possibly can. They're going to move on from their unrestricted free agents if they can't sign them. Maybe make another trade or two pragmatically, but that's uh that that's that's what we're talking about, I I think. And and um I I think that's kind of what we've been talking about all along in a lot of ways. Do you think there's a hockey trade that could be made out there for one of their players? That that we obviously see moving on right now, or do you think those players are more more? Well, I mean, for, yeah, absolutely, there could be. Is that is that what you want them to do, though, Trav? Well, I think if you could, you know, maybe I, I guess I guess maybe it's back to that thing we talk about, where maybe there's a pretty high end prospect where you don't need a first round pick back, like you said last time, I guess. And and I guess it's less of a hockey trade. Well, I guess maybe. I guess it all depends on what your definition of hockey trade is, too, right? Yeah, like yeah. For me, I, you know, for I, me, that that means like when I hear hockey trade, I yeah, I think yeah. of 
I think of Weber for Subban, or I think of um, you know a deal like that where you're you're getting. Um, I, I even think of Kachuk, like the, the 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 Florida Florida Calgary trade in July 2022. That's a hockey trade. That's that's three NHL players involved in a deal. I I don't I don't know if that necessarily, and that's a three established NHLers involved in a deal. Um, Larson for Hall. That was a hockey trade, right? I don't know if those are the type of ones that that make a ton of sense for the Flames to be making. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just uh, honestly, I just hope maybe we start making trades soon because I I just don't see the point of having these false wins. And well, the the only point case. of the only point um, that the, the only point of waiting is to get the best value. I, I think at this point. Yeah, but I think if you're retaining, which I think they should retain on all three players they move, if they move all three, especially, you know, Lindholm and Hannafin are both on pretty plausible contracts with retaining, I think they could fit into a lot lot of teams' structure. I agree, but but Trav, if the offers haven't been there yet, they haven't been there yet. Yeah, no, no that's fair, but I... I I just don't want them to win more games. I, I am team tank right now, and I do want the highest pick possible. Okay, fair enough. But they, they they can't be, and I, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but they can't be like they can't be like. Well, Trav doesn't want them, want us to win any more games, so let's make <laughs> trades now. Even if we think that we can get way more value in a month, let's do it right now because Trav doesn't want. They can't be making moves for that reason. They can't be making moves because they um, they don't want to win more games. They, they they need to make moves because they need to hit their price or hit their target on on. What these what these returns are going to be? That's totally fair. Totally fair. I know a lot of people. Well, you see some people kind of. Oh, Huska's not the man, and this and that. I think overall Huska's done a fine job. I think the power play's been atrocious this year, and it's been actually a huge momentum killer overall. And and um, I think that's probably the biggest downfall in the season right now. But I think Huska's overall has kept people accountable. Um, they've clearly called up young guys and given them gave them chances this year. Like how many people from the Anglers have played in the NHL this year? So, yeah. I, I I don't think Huska's to blame. I think he's uh, think he's probably a good teacher and a, a good leader. And I think um, he's not scared to hold people accountable. And I I think um, just let him continue to do what he's doing. I I, I, I don't see where all the the hate is on him sometimes because some people do. You know, kind of say, "Oh, he's not the man. Get rid of him." You kind of read it on the text line, man. I mean, I, there was the one text, but I mean, generally, I, I have not, honestly, Trav, heard a lot of that so far this season. In in what I have, you know, just just taking calls or reading texts or even uh, perusing Twitter as little as I like to do that these days, um, I, I haven't heard a lot of it. Which you know, just that that was one text that I was responding to, but I personally haven't heard that said a lot. Okay, one last question. I'll let you go. Um, people kind of say maybe Vancouver's in the buying mode. Lindholm or Tanner, Tanner, something like that. Is there? Why not both? Conflicts? Why not yeah, both? No, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, any anyone but the Oilers, I want to win this year, obviously. But uh, is there any prospects in the Vancouver organization that you could tell me about that I could maybe look up that um, you think would be good fits in a trade with the Canucks? 
Um, that I, 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 to be honest with you, I have not done a ton of research on Vancouver's prospects. I do think what's interesting, um, uh, a name that's interesting is Nils Hoaglander. That that name's been um, banded about quite a bit. It, it feels like Vancouver might have to give up a player like that or a Kuzmenko maybe if they're going to want to get the type of players that they're looking for um, in a trade here. Uh, they're looking for another forward or another defenseman to really solidify things, you know, looking for a number two center or something like that to really solidify things. So uh, a guy like Nils Hoaglander or less so Andre Kuzmenko are, are interesting to me, but Hoaglander in his age could be quite interesting if Vancouver's interested in, in dealing with the Flames. Hoaglander's 23. He's having a heck of a year. The offense is there. He's got a great shot. Um some of the uh, just trying to uh, quickly go look at the uh, Canuck system. I don't. I hear these guys talking about. Um, like I, I, I'm. I, I follow a lot of Vancouver people on Twitter, so I hear. I, I I see them talking about their prospects a lot. I just don't know how untouchable these guys really are. I'm not super familiar with them, but some of the names that you could point to would be the uh, the other Pedersen. They have Elias Pedersen, the the superstar. They also have a defenseman uh, named Elias Pedersen, so he's one that they quite like. They really like uh, the Leckermacki kid as well. Uh, Jonathan Leckermacki is a 19 year old forward so those are two names that that uh, i know that canucks fans and canucks prospects people talk about i do not know to be perfectly honest with you though the the realisticness of the flames being able to snag one of those uh two guys so uh, in that in that sense i can't tell you a lot but i do i am interested in a guy like hoaglander that's for sure we should have probably got Basser last year he's, he's lighting it up this year I'm just kidding. Uh, I, be, I, I, I still disagree. <laughs> I'm just fucking you. Yeah, he, he's playing with obviously some pretty good players in Vancouver, but but I was beating that drum last year, and he told I me I'm, I was dumb. No, I didn't. <laughs> I just didn't agree no, with I, you. Yeah, I'm just fucking you. Thanks so much, Pat. Have a good night, man. Good to hear from you, Trav. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames fall by a 5-2 score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome to the Columbus Blue Jackets. James is up next. What's up, James? Hey, Pat, long time. Welcome aboard. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go in a different direction here. Okay. Um, so the first thing I want to say is, is that these guys, that when we talk about the, uh, the vets on this team, I think they are mentally drained. So from the beginning of the year, we were talking about trading players away. That's got to be mm-hmm. exhausting on them. That's number one. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here, and I, I think that there's I, – I, like, I can jump in and we can chat, or I can, I can just let you list them off, whatever you want to do. Well, what I, what I wanted to say is, is that um, for the, most of the season, I was, I was like on the fence. Do you trade? Do you, what, what do you do? And the way I want to see – I think you, you, you trade to add. I think you bring in – uh, somebody to take off the pressure out of the veterans that we have right now. We have a lot of young guys that are coming up, which is great. But if you look on paper, our team is pretty good on paper. I found that the Toronto game and the St. Louis game, we we outplayed them both games. I think Biddington stood on his head. The last two games, uh, unfortunately, yeah, we were we were pretty bad, but. 
there's something to say about we're six points out of the playoffs. We have more than 30 games. Why not try to bring some, bring a couple of players in to make that push? Well, I mean, I, I James, are, are, are you you're promising me this is not a troll call? No, no, absolutely not. Look, okay. the other thing I wanted to ask you was, um, is there? A, so let's say it doesn't go. Let's say we trade to bring to add players in, and it doesn't go our way. Let's say we miss the playoffs or we get knocked out in the first like round. What what is kind there, of players are we talking about here, James? Well, I know that we need a goal scorer, another goal scorer. Okay. Um, I'm just throwing a name out there, but I'm not necessarily saying that that's the player you go after. But there is a Timo Meyer out there. Okay. And on Yuck. defense, I think having Chillington back is, is, a, is a boost for the team. But why not try to make that push? Okay, the reason why I I don't think that makes sense is because I don't think that they're winning a Stanley Cup. And 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 honestly, I I think that this team has got an opportunity to cash in on having these free agents. And 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 the one thing that I do agree with you on, uh, and the only reason I ask if this is a troll call is because, you know, sometimes you get troll calls. Um so that was the only reason I asked. So I apologize and and so that was No, not, that's that, okay. Um, By the way, Pat, 2004 yeah. was not a we didn't think we were going to go to the cup finals, right? I know, but did they win the cup? Yeah, we did. <laughs> well, fair, fair, but and also, where have they been since? And I'm not, I'm not trying to demean what happened in '04 because I was in the city too. I loved it; it was amazing. But where have they? They've won two playoff rounds since, right? And so, and 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 where has San Jose been since their Cup final run? Where has Nashville been since their Cup final run? Yes, it's great that you can get there, and the the chip in the chair. Um, metaphor is awesome. All you need to do is get in, and there is something to that. But I don't think that you can, in my opinion, I don't think you can build a franchise aimed solely at that. And so right now, the Flames are an older group. They're a team that missed the playoffs last year. They're a team that is six points out of a playoff spot this year with three high-profile pending unrestricted free agents. So I just think that would be to, to, to not trade those guys I think would be a, a large missed opportunity, especially especially if you don't trade all of them. Like if you want to keep one and re-sign them, sure, let's have that conversation. But to not cash in on that opportunity, I, I think you'd be doing yourself a giant disservice. Well, okay, so that's why I, I, I want to know um... – at the end of the season, can we sign and trade, let's say, a, a Lindholm or a Hannafin? Is that an option where we can sign and trade the player away? So that's one question. And the other one is, is that, honestly speaking, like, how many teams out there have the goaltending duo like we do? That's number one. Number two, I think our defense, even though it hasn't been that great lately, is a better uh, we have a better core than a lot of – we're better than Toronto. All right? I'll throw that out there. The problem with us is that we don't have the confidence in, in uh, our, our, our uh, power plays, for example. We need 
we need one or two bodies uh, where. Yeah, but nobody, the, 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 nobody, nobody is going to come in here and transform the power play, James. Nobody, nobody, they're going to get is going to come. The, 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 yeah. Does Calgary have a better blue line than Toronto? You could probably make that argument. Do they have Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or John Tavares or William Nylander? Well, no, and that's 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 what I'm trying to say is is that like why? Yeah, but not those those are the guys that you those are the guys that you win Stanley Cups with, and you don't trade for those guys. Okay. Well, I'm just like I said, I was just coming at it at a different angle. No, no, and I'm not. I'm, I'm just. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying that this is why I don't agree because I just don't think that. Um, I, I don't think that you can get the type of players the Flames need by just um, trading for them now. I think you need to trade for you need you need to get younger you need to trade for players that maybe aren't established as impact players right now and see what they turn into whether that's picks whether that's prospects whether that's younger NHLers that to me is what they need to do not going out and getting a Timo Meyer who I think Timo Meyer is a fine player I don't like that contract currently but I just don't think that's the type of trade they need to be making right now and giving up like if you're going to go and I don't necessarily know what New Jersey is thinking on the Meyer front either, but I, I don't. Well, I don't the, think they should be the adding thing, and trading away their own picks to bring older players in. But that's the thing, Pat. Like, why is it that other teams, mostly American teams, that are, let's say, in the same spot as Calgary, try to make that push? Right? Why is it different for us? Is it because we're a Canadian team? The fans want to see something different. Well, because this team has been so middling for so long and because they don't have elite players. Okay, fair enough. I, uh, I, I think that's I think that would be the best way I could answer it. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean I, I, I still I still like the team. I still think that maybe after the all star game maybe they can regroup. Like I said, it, it's gotta be mentally exhausting for a lot of these players that are having their name thrown out you know, constantly. On a, I will say this, James. I, I, I do think that once the trade deadline passes, I think there'll be a big time. I think there'll be some significant relief around here because of what you're just, what you're just talking about. I do think that constantly having uncertainty weigh on you and having your name, as you said, constantly thrown around in trade talks. I, I do think that takes a toll. I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just I don't think that that's enough for me personally to be convinced that they should go into buying mode and, and try to maximize this season. I, in my opinion, I think that we've got a pretty good idea of what this group is now. And so maximizing this group, what are you maximizing? Like you're adding to this group, what are you adding to? You're adding to a middle-of-the-pack team at best in my eyes. So that, I, that, and that's, that's, that's where I think we, we kind of agree to disagree on this one, James, and that's fine. Um, I, I really appreciate the call and, and like the conversation thank you pat i'll call you again yay call back anytime thank you james thank you pat yeah uh let's say hello to travis on the phone lines another travis following a 5-2 loss what's up trav hey how we doing hey. travis i need you i need you to turn your radio down that's what's confusing you oh, okay turn on the radio yeah okay all right sorry about that all good. There we go. Hello. How are we doing? Hey, Pat. It's been a while. 
Yeah, it's good. Now, now, now I know what Travis I'm talking to. How are we, buddy? Yeah. So I just wanted to have a shout-out to all the minor hockey league teams and that can hear this call, as well as uh, native hockey, treaty hockey. Shout-out. You know, keep going. I know our Flames are having it tough right now as a fan. Season ticket holder. You know, I played the game, you know, at a professional level, as well as uh, started with uh, Calgary Royals, AJHL, you know, SJHL. You know, so I've seen a lot of hockey, too, myself. And uh, my home rink is Sarcy Seven Chiefs. I'm a, you know, shout-out to Sarcy Seven Chiefs, all the Suta'ina Sarcy boys. But, uh, you know, as a, as a fan, I don't think we can hang it up. We're only six points out. We should have been making trades on the goaltending part a little bit earlier. We've got to be fair to, you know, the goalies that we do have. The three goalies, they all can play NHL. You know, so it might be a little bit karma on our side by keeping three goalies. You know, Wolf is definitely NHL, you know, elite style of a goaltender. And then, you know, we have some good trades that are, you know, showing good results, like uh, Sharon Govich. You know, Sharon Govich, right. is, you know, he's great. Come, come in scoring goals and, you know, he's showing that leading by example, you know, and... Huberto, you know, he's a great player, did a lot of great things years ago. Got to try to figure out what he needs, you know. And then some of the other guys that don't want to be here because you hear Conroy talk about that, you know, I think that's what they got to fix is the, is the leadership in the dressing room because it's the leadership that's going to get the boys going, you know, and it's nothing to backlin, right? He's doing a great job. I think he's, you know, in a community a lot. You know, he's trying his best to, to serve the Flames and, you know, the community of Calgary. But uh, I think he needs a little bit of help, you know. So my hats are off to all of them. Tough season. All of us as Flames fans, you know, it's always a tough one. But just can't throw in a towel yet. Got to keep going. Only six points out. No, and, gotta... and you, know, you know, Trav, I, I don't, I, I think, and, and this kind of goes back even to James's call that, that came on right before you as well. You know, I, I don't think at any point we're going to see the team throw in the towel. Now, I, I think that we may see a couple of trades made. I think that we may see whether it's um, whether it's Hannafin or Lindholm or whoever it may be. I do think that we'll see some trades made. But I don't think that the goal is for them to throw in the towel. I don't think the goal is for them to stop being competitive or stop fighting for this thing. You know, I keep going back to what Nashville did last year. If if the Flames can do something similar where, yeah, they, they make a few trades and, and they do what's best for the long term of this franchise – but also are able to stay competitive by giving young players a chance, by infusing that into the lineup, by still getting some good performances from their veteran players that are still here. You know, those are the things that I think the the, the Flames are looking to do here. So, yeah, I, I don't think, Trav, that they, are, that they are looking to throw in the towel here. Trav, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, did you did you hear my response? Something weird happened on the phone lines there. Did you hear everything I said there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, I, go I ahead. Sorry. I, I mute, muted my radio and listened. But, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, hockey is a tough sport, right? You know, and it was, uh, you know, first out, and out east where, 
you know, Micmac and the newcomers out that way created the sport, and it's a tough sport, and, you know, I pay for it now. I'm, you know, later in my life, and, you know, I think all these guys come to the come to the rink, but sometimes, you know, the the pay, I guess, you know, gets a little bit too comfortable, and people don't know where they're at. I heard a caller there talking about, you know, some of them it's psychological. You don't know where you're going to be, you know, so... You know, there's a lot of a lot of things out there that could be weighing on players' minds. You know, being a person that you know went out there and played, you you got to adapt to the environment, live away from home, and it's not an easy thing. I I do think we have one of the greatest goalies. People keep knocking Markstrom, but when he gets hot, he's impossible to score on. You know, and when you take a look at all the past champions, they always had good goalies, and it was even one goalie can take and win the Stanley Cup, you know, at times it looks that way, you know, so you know, we got to do something with our goaltending, you know, we got to try to bring in a couple of snipers that are leaders and lead by example, but also leading uh, dressing room. So, well, you know, at the end of the day, we just got to keep grinding and don't give up, never surrender, you know. Uh, Trav, I appreciate the call, man. It's good to hear from you again, hey? Yes, thank you. Um, and and just just uh, just going forward, you don't need to mute yourself. Just need to turn down the radio in the background, and then your money. That's all you got to do. Because I think you're turn muted again now. Yeah. So all you got to do is turn down your radio in the background, and then you're good, Trav. So uh, call back anytime, man. It's good to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. See you, Trav. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. This is your Flames talk post-game show. Flames fall 5-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. A frustrating one here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's time to hear from the captain. Let's hear from Michael Backlund. His thoughts following a 5-2 loss. Michael, another uh, tough one here for this group. Where did you see it slip away from? Oh, I had a second period. I thought we played well in the first. Um, you know, we had 18 shots in the first, and yeah, and uh, second period we have what four or five. Um, it's a big difference and tells the story about the game. Uh, came out, played well, and just let the game get out of our hand in the second. It's still January, but this is a pretty serious blow when you consider you know how many losses are starting to mount. I mean, you're probably way past silver linings here. How how big of a, a tough skid is this for your room? Yeah, it's tough, um, especially losing at home. Um, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, I feel like all the games we kind of let it get out of our hands, um, and um, yeah, we gotta look ourselves in the mirror here and play our best game of the year on Saturday. Um, going to break, um, winning, um, and end the streak, and then um, you know, um, focus on the you know the second or past the break um, after that. Injuries are one thing, and I'm sure you'll address that in a moment, but just the idea of where you see this overall, the biggest thing that you need to address inside this room around in the ice, on the ice. Well, I think uh, I've uh, been missing a little bit of energy. I, I find at times in games, and uh, we got to play with a lot of energy and pace, and uh, when we don't, uh, that's when teams take advantage of us. Um, and that happened today. First pairing, a lot of energy. Uh, second, not as much. Um, and we'll let the game get away. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, last road trip there with the dads, we were 
so much energy we play so well and then we come home and it just hasn't been quite the same you, you guys have played together for well over 130 games now why hasn't this group figured out how to win consistently together Michael yeah um it's a good question um I wish I had an answer um um but yeah we gotta um like I said all we can do now is focus on the next game um play our best game of the year on Saturday uh do whatever we can to win that game and then uh, we'll uh, refocus and come back um, have a push after break Michael you've been here some time how much does it piss you off that you can't make it work at home yeah it's frustrating it's hard um, uh, like I said we played so well in the road there and, and even that home game against Ottawa um, and since then we've um, just like I said find just for 60 minutes we haven't had that energy we had um before this home stretch, and uh, we got to get back to that. How, how awesome was it to see Oliver out there and, and in, in a game for the first time? Yeah, that was great. Uh, Goose bounced before the game. Uh, people standing up, cheering him. Uh, that was awesome. Thought he'd play well. Um, you know, it's going to take him some time to get back into it, but I thought he looked good tonight, and, uh, you know, I'm really, really happy to see him back. You mentioned the energy. Is that, is that fatigue and this team needing this All-Star break? Yeah, or is it something else? No, there's no excuses. Um, again, I don't know what the answer is. Um, but, like I said, all we can do now is refocus uh, on Saturday, bring all the energy we have, and, uh, you know, uh, come on and play our best game in a long time, and... Uh, yeah, do whatever we can to win. You had a, uh, a brief word with Oliver, like just before the puck dropped. Do you, what, do you care to share what you said to him? No, I just said, just enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That is Michael Backlund post game. His thoughts, the captain following tonight's 5 2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's time to tonight's Salad. Try that again. It's time to select tonight's player with heart following this one. A uh, few uh, few that I went with or a few that I uh, considered in this one tonight. Um, I don't always uh, like to go the uh, same way as I did last time. So uh, last game, Matt Coronado was the player with heart. Um, he gets the honorable mention in this one tonight. But... Um, Megan Mickelson went Oliver Shillington as the hardest working flame. Makes ton of sense. I'm going Mackenzie Weger as the player with heart tonight. Uh, he had a goal in this game, his third consecutive game with a goal. He led the team with four shots on goal, led the team with eight shot attempts. He also had a scoring chance. Uh, so I thought Mackenzie Weger uh, did his very best to keep the team's work rate high to uh, try to will them to uh, win in this game. Obviously, Flames end up losing 5-2, but I thought another solid night for Mackenzie. Kenzie Weger, and he is tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments. Not available at your doctor's office. Visit HeartFit.ca. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time tonight. Let's hear from Chris Tanev. He spoke following a 5-2 loss to the Blue Jackets. Chris, as you look for answers, but you look back at that game and maybe in the way things have gone the last few games, how frustrating is it knowing that you've had the struggles you have as a group at home? Yeah, it's unacceptable. I mean, four straight losses at home when you're trying to make the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, yeah, same as last game, up 3-1, end of the second, tied 2-2, end of the second. We, we find a way to give up leads and, and let the other team uh, take the game to us. 
energy was what uh, Michael Backlund said earlier, but on a night when a guy like Oliver comes back and there is a little energy, I imagine that's also frustrating knowing that you guys weren't able to find it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, as I said, unacceptable. Lose four straight at home. Um, to teams that we need to beat. Um, we need to regroup and get ready to play a lot better game on Saturday. Can you put your finger on what it is uh, from your vantage point on why it, or if there is one, I'm sure there's many things, but is there one thing that really jumps out at you? It's playing as a team, playing together. Being connected on the ice and playing for each other. This group has been together for over 130 games now, Chris. I mean, bigger picture, why don't you think you guys have figured out how to win consistently or together as a, as a group? So we keep making mistakes. I mean, you got to do all the little things right, all the details. Those are the things that win you, win you hockey games. And can't seem to, to do them right now. now. If I'm not just repeating the same question, but it felt like there was progress, progress, progress. For the better part of, of, of two months with this this group and, and then sort of the last four games that happened, um, was, was there a change? Was that, has there been a change? Um, well, I mean, we're obviously not playing how we were a week ago. Let's just, yeah, that's changed because we were, we were progressing and we we're playing how we wanted to play and doing the right thing. So. I mean, that falls on me and, and the leaders. We need to be better leaders and show, lead by example and, and do the right thing. So, I mean, I'll take responsibility for that. Can you just speak to the emotion of Shillington's, you know, that when he was announced in the starting lineup and just having him back? Yeah, I think it was awesome by the fans to um, give him that ovation. I'm sure it means a, a ton to him. Um, obviously, we would have liked to win for him to be a would have been a more special night but I think at that moment um, I'm sure he was he was really happy inside and, and appreciated what what the fans did for him is Chris Tanev post game following tonight's 5-2 loss to Columbus I, I thought we might use the uh, or hear the term uh, unacceptable used uh, tonight and yeah that um that was one of the words that uh, he ends up using because it was pretty unacceptable. Uh, let's get back to the text line in just a second. First, we got to look ahead. Text line in just a second, but let's look ahead. Looking ahead is brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. It's uh, the final game of this six-game homestand on Saturday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. Second of three meetings between the Flames and Hawks this season. Uh, Chicago, of course, took the first game 4-3 in that really frustrating game on January 7th. So that's next up. Uh, Flames have lost their last four games in a row against the Hawks, going 0-3-1 in those four games since the start of last season. So they need a win against Chicago. They need a win to wrap up this homestand. That is a 8 o'clock face-off Saturday night on Sportsnet and CBC. will be on the air at 7 o'clock right here on on Sportsnet 960, the fan, uh, with your Flames warm-up pregame show again before puck drop 
at 8 o'clock. Um, following that, Flames go on their all-star break. They're back in action after Saturday's game on February 6th when they take on the Boston Bruins. That'll kick off a four-game road trip. There you go. That is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's get back to the text line now at 960-960. This reads, uh, the Flames have a team that is at a level of several middle teams, and you know how that goes, 50-50 at best. Hold on to the departing players until closer to the trade deadline and choose a goalie to let go as well. Uh, Recent news, waivers, Dubé, et cetera, may be good news in the long run. The old floor Flames ended a uh, desert for, for the team. People have forgotten those dark days. Um, This reads from Jeff. Solid point on players being deflated and dealing with the unknowns and what-ifs. But you know what else is draining? Losing. These are professional players, and if they played anywhere close to their potential, all this chatter about the big three who are dragging this team down game after game wouldn't weigh on the players who are producing. Or wait, is this all Sutter's fault? Keep up the good work. Uh, That comes from Jeff. Uh, This reads... Um, James hasn't looked at the Flames' remaining road schedule. The math doesn't work for them to make the playoffs, Pat. 750 at home at fi- and 500 on the road comes to 90 points, and that's not enough. Uh, and even 750 at home. They're 1-4 they're on this homestand. 750 uh, at, at home seems like a little bit of a stretch. Um, this says from Will and B.C., Uh, Well, I have two negatives about this game and two positives. Negatives, losing at home to a team that hasn't won in regulation for over a month. The other one is Greer getting hurt. I really hope it's not as serious as it looked. Positives, seeing Shillington back was good, and a bonus was how well he played. The other positive is maybe Huberdeau will be suspended for a few games. I think he looked less bad for a while there, but now we're seeing the same old stuff from him. How about a package of Lindholm and Markstrom for something really good? I think they can forget about the playoffs this year, so why not? Uh, This from Corey. Pat, I agree with the leadership shortfall comments. Unfortunately for Backlund, he didn't have a winning captain to model model after. No offense to Gio, but it would seem that a study of how the captains and alternates on winning teams lead and elevate the rest of the players is due. There needs to be inspiration and a push for everyone to show up before the game starts. Not pissed off comments in post-game interviews. Um... This reads from Cody, was at the game. Talk about deflating, to say the least. Don't even know what to think at this point. That being said, the Shillington story tonight was beyond words. So amazing to be there for such an incredible moment. Understandable to blame Huberdeau for the penalty there, but honestly, I think they needed somebody to make a spark. Just too bad it went the way it did. Uh, This reads uh, from uh, Mike in Mackenzie Lake. Uh, Welcome back, Shilly. Your smile says it all. You're an inspiration to all people who are suffering through mental health struggles. Well said, Mike. Um, This says, I think it's sad how fast fans turn on this team. Six-game win streak. They're all for it. Four-game skid. They throw in the towel. Sad to see. Um, At at no point did they have a six-game win streak, but I, I understand the sentiment anyway. Um, what else we got here at 960-960? This from uh, Patty and Whitehorse. In the last two games, you can see how this team becomes afraid when they give up a goal and momentum starts to shift. Their fear causes them to play horribly and things crumble from there. 
where they are in the standings is compounding this problem. This is in contrast to their play when they fall behind in games when outplayed. They play together, play hard, and give their all to claw back into games. They need to learn to not become overwhelmed. Uh, Clyde writes, disappointing loss tonight, but I still believe they can make a wild card spot even though a Nashville, even through a Nashville win tonight. So glad to see Oliver back. Uh, this reads from Sam. Another Flames loss to a bottom-of-the-barrel team. The writing is no longer in crayon. It's in Sharpie. Let the floodgates open for the trades to com- commence. Only positive tonight. Welcome home, Shillington. Uh, Brenda writes, For many of us, our worst fears are being realized. Same dumpster fire as last year. Kind of hope they'd show up for Shilly. Disappointing the season is over, and it's only January. Um... This reads uh, from Colin. Uh, Pat, congrats to Oliver. I didn't expect anything less from him. This one says, from Mike, expected the result, Pat. This team has proven that they struggle against bad teams. They shot themselves in the foot a lot tonight, and it culminated in the final five minutes and the boarding call that effectively salted the game away and maybe even the season. Too many teams to pass, too many bad teams to play against. Nice to see Shillington back, though. Hopefully he'll be ready to step into the place that Hannafin has when traded, and he better be traded because he'd be absolutely insane to stay on this sinking ship. Uh, This reads, guys, let's not pretend the playoffs are a possibility for this team. Time to begin selling. Start with Tanev. Vancouver really wants him back. Hearing they might also be interested in Lindholm. Flames management cannot afford to pass on these uh, opportunities to begin a desperately needed rebuild. Uh, this from Seven McKenzie. First, all the feels seeing Shillington back. Hats off. Second, the power play is worse than a dud. It's a liability. Third, Uyghurs carrying this team on his back. Uh, this reads... So great to see Shillington back. I thought he was fantastic considering the circumstances of not playing in 20 months. I would even say he was one of their best players tonight, which is completely unacceptable. You would think that would give the boys a bump and want to win that one for Shilly, but man, that was a really lackluster effort after the first period. If there was any doubt prior to tonight, I agree to sell the pending UFAs, and I believe Conroy is actively trying to make trades, but because of the salary cap and many teams right against it, we like, we likely won't see anything drastic for at least a few more weeks. Um, This reads, now that's how you tank. It'll be easier to do once the trades happen. That comes from Jerry in Vancouver Island. This reads, Conroy, it's time to clean house. You lose to Columbus at home. Markstrom, Tanev, Lindholm, Hannafin. Uh, Uyghur postgame should be entertaining. He was was very strong as always tonight. Um, This reads, so tired of the excuses. Nothing's changed. So happy for Oliver. And finally from Vince, this is ridiculous. They say they were upset from last game. It sure showed tonight. This is the same movie we saw last year, middle of the pack, fighting for a playoff spot, and then falling short. They're fooling all Flames fans and those season ticket holders who continue to support this team. Uh, The greatest outcome tonight was Oliver Shillington. Welcome back. That's from Vince. Uh, And that's your text line tonight at 960-960. Appreciate, as always, on the text line. Let's get back to the phone lines. A few more calls before we wrap things up on our Flames Talk postgame show, starting with Anand following tonight's 5-2 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. What's up, Anand? Good evening, Pat. Uh, Sorry about earlier. I restarted my phone. Hopefully, it's over. Can you hear me now? You sound great. Okay, perfect. Already, I was at the game uh, last minute. Thought I thought I uh, why not uh, 
tickets were cheap. Uh, Shillington was returning. So I thought I'll go to the game. Yeah, another disappointing game, unfortunately. Uh, but I loved uh, Shillington's return. He looked fantastic. Uh, whether it was his uh, returning standing innovation that he got, and then he looked uh, great offensively too. He had a couple of good moves and. Uh, things I liked and enjoyed, so he was fantastic. Uh, even Adam Clapter, he stood out uh, being that tall. He was fantastic with the game. And then uh, Rocky, Sassel, Connor, Zari, Mark, they looked great. Uh, my one question for you, how concerning is it for like forwards, like let's say Elias Lindholm, um, who has been chosen as an all-star pick, uh, not being able to convert, like we should maybe give somebody a role to be the finisher or give them accountability to finish a game, right? Do you think that's a bit concerning for the Flames not having that uh, particular person for a role? For So so if they, if they trade away Lindholm? Yeah, uh, so can we get a good return back, uh, somebody for anybody uh, that okay. can be a good finisher for us? Oh, I you know I mean I I don't think that I, I think if when they trade Lindholm, I think it'll be for you know picks prospects or or younger NHL players. I don't think they're gonna get uh, a player of of Lindholm's caliber coming back right away. And and I, I don't think that's the type of trade we're gonna see with Lindholm. So they'll they'll definitely be a void when when he's dealt for sure. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah, Marshall also looked like he uh, he had a couple of good saves, but he looked a uh, little bit struggled too. Um, and uh, one other question: uh, we don't have an update on Greer, right? He looked hurt no. tonight. No, we don't have an update right now. It didn't look good though, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. He was struggling out of the way. He had to be helped uh, into the bench. Yeah, so wishing him all the best. Hopefully, he can recover soon. And then I believe, if I read correctly, I heard that uh, Jacob Pelche uh, will start his stint with Wrangler soon, and maybe he could come up with the Flames for the fourth line, uh, to save the fourth line, I believe, um, sometime soon after the All-Star break, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to play. They, they've got a five-game road trip, the, the Wranglers do, starting this weekend. Um, and yeah. so we believe that Pelche is going to play at least one game on the weekend, maybe more. Now, the Flames go on their all-star break, so maybe Pelche gets into four or five of the games. Who knows on this road trip? Um, and, and then when the Flames come back, then it becomes a little bit more of a realistic possibility that Pelche rejoins them and, and gets into their lineup. So I don't think we're too far off from from Pelche rejoining the Flames and, and then getting in and and probably starting on the fourth line, but doesn't necessarily mean that he'll stay on the fourth line, right? Like, um, yeah. I, I think that's maybe where you work him in, but, um, but you know, I, I think he's got the chance to play his way up the lineup as well. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, I want to also comment on Bigger as well. Uh, he's been fantastic uh, def- uh, defensively and offensively. Uh, like the earlier texture said, yeah, he's one of the uh, leaders right now, uh, carrying the back, uh, yeah, carrying the team on the back. I just wanted to say one more thing. A couple of fans actually recognized me at the concourse today and said uh, I, they enjoyed my Flamestock uh, calls. I just want to thank you to all the listeners and thank you to Pat, uh, to you, Pat, uh, for answering my calls and questions. I appreciate it. 
Have a good night, Dan. Talk to you on Saturday. You're a celeb, and I appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, Doctor, you have a good night. Thanks, buddy. Um, that's good. I like that. Uh, and keep coming to games when you can. That's awesome. Uh, let's say hello to Ryan following a 5-2 loss to Columbus. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Patty. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, first and foremost, uh, props to Shillington. Um, it was a lot of stuff that everyone's focused on negativity and everything, but uh, what that guy went through and for him to bounce back, you know, can't say enough how much uh, props we should be giving him. And it was, uh, I was at the game and it was pretty incredible to see everyone standing on their feet and cheering him on. So um, props to him first and foremost. Agreed. It was awesome to see him back. Absolutely. A um, couple points I just wanted to, to touch base on. Um, for Conroy, I, uh, I feel real bad for him. He's, He's in a bit of a minefield. I know a lot of fans want to uh, tank and tear down and rebuild. Um, he wants to be competitive. You know, he's got ownership wanting to be competitive. Um, but from both sides, he's, he's in a bit of a, in a, a landmine here. He's got uh, trading away your number one center. Makes it pretty hard to be competitive, you know, down the road. And I think a lot of the fans with the, with the teardown, you know, are forgetting – we also owe Montreal a first-round pick. Yes. And uh, that's this year or next year. And uh, I know that uh, a top-ten pick going to Montreal is uh, it's not going to look good for the fan base. It's gonna, people are going to forget about it. And uh, when it happens, I think it's going to incite some, uh, some riots. So I think Conroy's trying to, between not giving a top-ten pick away, trying to be competitive, and, uh, man, how do you navigate that? Yeah, he's uh, – you really did a nice job there, Ryan, of of, nav- of, of, of illustrating the um, the hornet's nest that, that Craig has kind of been thrown into in his first year as GM of the team, hey? Like, it's, it's – uh, there's a lot of difficult things that go into this. There's a lot of difficult things that go into um, his decisions and his decision-making and, and all of it. Um, and and yeah, it's it's not an easy spot that he's in. Now I think on the Lindholm front, it's not going to be as difficult as perhaps it it might have been in the past. Um, and I only say that because I I don't think they're close on a contract. So I, I as much as you don't like trading away potential number one centers. If, if Lindholm's unsigned, you got to move him. So I think that'll help, and I think that they are still pretty far apart on a deal. Um, as as for the first-round pick, that's why I think it's imperative, Ryan, for them to, to get some first-round picks back in trades because you can't forget, to your point, that the Monaghan deal with Montreal included the Habs getting a first-round pick at some point. So, yep, that's that's a really good point, and that's why I think it's important that the Flames do end up getting some additional first-round picks to help make up for that. Absolutely. And for the Lindholm, I mean, you you kind of made the comment earlier. You're not getting a player back, and, you know, you're definitely not getting a top center back because the team's trading for a guy like Lindholm. That's what they're trying to fill. They're not in yeah. the business of giving that away either. So um, 
trading a Lindholm, how do we stay competitive without that top line center? And I guess for your perspective, you know, what's your one, two, three centers now if if you lose a Lindholm? Well, I mean, and I don't think they're going to try to, like, stay competitive to the extent that, like, I think they understand that there might be a few years where they're a little less competitive if they make some of these moves. I think they want to get younger and see if, you know, come the time the new arena opens here in a few years, they they can be back to being a much more competitive team. Um I, uh, I I think that um, I, I think that's what the goal is, and I think that that's kind of what they're aiming at. So I don't think that they're looking to like remain. Like I, I don't know if necessarily they're going to be like, well, we got to be back. If if they trade all these guys, are like, well, we're getting guys back so that we can make the playoffs next year. I don't know if it's that. Um, I, I think it is a slightly longer-term goal than that, but maybe as opposed to five or six years, they might be looking or trying to do a two- or three-year thing. Um, so I, I think that's important to uh, to point out. Um, as for the question about who the one, two, three centers would be, um, I wonder about moving Sharon Govich to the middle. I do. Um, Kadri's here. Backlund's here. I wonder about trying Sharon Govich at some point down the middle again. He did it a little earlier this season. Didn't mind it. He's going to have to work on his face-offs. That's, that's an area that is, is not a strength. But I wonder about that. So could you do some order of Backlund, Sharon Govich, Kadri as as your your three centers going forward that intrigues me yeah it's definitely intriguing it's a lot of questions i guess that will uh will be answered here at monte at least partially <laughs> that's all i had patty thank you so much appreciate you taking the time thank you ryan be well man yeah you too uh let's continue along and say hello to bryce what's going on bryce um i'm i'm, I'm doing okay how are you I'm okay, man. And just um, and the questions, like there's a many, like um, like today when they lost the, the waiver wire, couldn't they have gotten like traded them if they weren't going to use them before they did that? I don't. I'm I'm not too sure. Like, like I'm not sure yeah. either. I I don't. I mean, I don't think I don't think there was going to be much of a market on D Simone, so I, I don't think trading mm-hmm. D Simone was was a real realistic thing. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I think that teams are pretty smart. Like I go back to when the flames lost Valamaki, right? Teams look at it. They yeah. say, we know that you're in a bind. And so they're not going to necessarily be offering anything for Valamaki when they know that he's close to going on waivers because they can, they can read a roster report. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the same is true with, with Rizicka. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. they looked at it and said, oh, well, you know, we we we're not really interested. Like again, it's Arizona. Like if you're the Coyotes and and Craig calls you, Craig Conroy calls you, and says, "Hey, Rizicka, you interested?" They're like, "Oh, yeah, we 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 see what's happening. We know that Pelche's coming back. Um, we know that Shillington's coming back. We'll wait to see if you put them on waivers." And and that's kind of what I think makes it a little bit more difficult for these guys to necessarily get good returns. So honestly, Bryce. I, I don't know if they could have. I, I don't know if a trade was really realistic here. Like even just for like like maybe a seventh round pick or something, or something just and it doesn't feel like a huge loss because how many players have they lost in the last three years? Or it's just it's surprising. Like I, I it's um, but I, but I get 
they had he had a lot of chances and like many. I think uh, honestly, and, Bryce, I I don't yeah. think it was go. I don't think I don't think they were going to be able to get anything much no. for him at all. And and mm. the other thing is. I think that they, you know, there, there are you can you can point to mm. Yusuf Valamaki and say, yeah, the organization might have screwed that one up, or yeah. and and they lost him for nothing on waivers, or you can point to Sam Bennett and say maybe the Flames mm. didn't didn't handle that properly and they they didn't get a massive great return for him in a trade, or you could point to Matthew Phillips and say, you know, the Flames didn't do a very good job handling him and then lost him for nothing in free agency. I mm. I think that they gave Adam Ruzicka every opportunity yeah. to succeed. I don't think this is poor asset poor asset management. I think other times they could absolutely be accused of such and it would be valid. This one, I don't think so. I think they gave Ruzicka every opportunity to succeed and he just never was, whether it was able, willing, whatever the word, he was never able to, to truly grasp it and, and take it by the horns, right? Mm-hmm. And I like Today was shown to that was nice to see the the um, fans and all, like like he deserved every minute of what he's gone through and oh, yeah. His, yeah, it was awesome. determined in, in determination to get there again and it was like and all the work to put involved and yeah yeah it was pretty neat Bryce it was uh, it was neat to see him back mm-hmm. out there and and he played well too like he had mm-hmm. a hell of a game yeah. They sure did for just that many months off. Yeah, yeah, he was he was really strong. Mm-hmm. Then, so do you think? Like again, we're talking about another question. Well, but you know the the power play is it? Yeah, like you said, it's it's hard to fathom like how to really fix that. But is it? It's just. Do you think it's some like line changing all the time? Do you think you know the chemistry and confidence? They don't know from one guy to another how and, and like what their tendencies are. Like, is it many times no, you get to use I, one I and then they change? Is that, I, I don't, don't know. think so. I, I really don't because they've given yeah. them lots of they've given yeah. them lots of runway, right, to be together and, mm-hmm. and to make. It's not like they're they're changing all the time. It's like mm-hmm. they'll try it for a number of weeks and then they'll make a tweak. It's it's not like so. I I don't mm-hmm. think that has been the reason why. I think that you know right now I think that you can point to that they they don't have personnel that is elite. So you yeah. know a, a lot of times the the good power plays have elite personnel. And, and they don't have elite offensive personnel on this yeah. team, so I think that that plays the biggest part in it. And then you know whether it's systematic, whether it's execution, whether it's combination of how those things are playing off one another, that would be mm-hmm. your next thing. And, and that hasn't been very strong either. Yeah, I know they've been trying. <laughs> that's that's one thing. They've definitely been practicing it, man. Like they practice yeah. it every practice. But it mm-hmm. just it it and you know it sh- it felt like maybe it was starting to take a little bit of a turn for the better, but then mm-hmm. yeah, it, it feels like it's taken another step back. And then do you think you know the, um, maybe I was you know the trade uh, Lindholm wouldn't it like remember that earlier talk with uh, Columbus that if there was a way of first rounder and Lindholm can play with uh, Goodrow again there with him. 
I don't really think <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I, I don't really think that's a realistic trade. I know it's one that yeah. like there, there's been fan theories on, but I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that that Lindholm and Columbus is is a, a realistic um, fit, bet, bet, between yeah. now and the trade deadline. Yeah, or or Colorado that you know that Bowen. No, Colorado, Colorado. Yeah, I think yeah. is. I don't think Bowen Byram is coming back, but mm-hmm. I think Colorado is a realistic team they could trade with. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, they need something. Just like they said with the caller before, Montreal's got like a first rounder. So, so like you just said, and they need to go recover some of the first round picks just to compensate, and then hopefully. Things will turn around by the time they get the new building. Hopefully, you know, we always we always got hope. We have to go that way, knowing what's happening right now. And look, nope. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. it's still Craig Conroy's mm-hmm. first year on the job. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he really yeah. has only had a little bit of time here to mm-hmm. put his stamp on this thing. So mm-hmm. let's see. And 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 the biggest opportunity he's going to have is is mm-hmm. the, or at least the first giant opportunity he's going to yeah. have is this upcoming trade deadline. So that's yeah. going to give us a little bit more of an opportunity to evaluate what direction mm-hmm. Craig's going to take the team. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. that's going to be our first opportunity to see what he uh, or, or how he's putting his stamp on this thing, right? Yeah, and also too, they'll have more salary cap space too. Like I guess in one way, they're looking at to correct some of this. They don't have we contracts as much, but but they'll have some flexibility to to move things around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, you you take care, and hopefully, you know. And I guess it's now thirty one days until we go to uh, Calgary for national for special All right. All right. So, I got your number. I I took your number down last time. Yeah. I got it. I'll I'll be in touch. Yeah, okay. You take care. Bryce, it's a uh, pleasure as always, my man. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Uh, let's say hello to James on the phone lines. What's up, James? How you doing tonight, Pat? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? Good. Well, this game, it gives the Flames some more a time to evaluate the players and to uh, – this game was all about heart, and some of the players just – for whatever reason, I don't think they came to play tonight. Yeah, it's weird, James, because I, I thought they did early on. Like, I thought it was a really solid first period from them, and then it just kind of fell off from there, and, and it was um, fell off in very frustrating fashion. So I don't really know quite how to put your put my finger on how it, it dropped off as, as much as it did after the first period and in a game where they were talking about urgency and a game they were talking about needing to win and, and still allowing it to, to go the way it did tonight. Well, they were um, um, they were talking too that uh, Vancouver was they were was in the mix for uh, for Lindholm too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that they, um, I think I think Colorado is an interesting landing spot for Lindholm. I think uh, Vancouver could be. I think Dallas is interesting. I think Vegas is interesting. So there's just a few teams that I think could be in the mix to to land a guy like Elias. That's all in the Western Conference, and then I think New Jersey could be an interesting spot for him. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some really interesting potential landing spots for Lindholm. 
Yeah, but you know what I was going to say? We've got two players that the Flames are in a quandary for, and I think those two players have got quite a bit of heart. You've got Hannafin and you've got Toffoli, and they both got heart on the Flames. I really think they should re-sign them. Those are really good players. Hannafin and uh, Tanev, you mean? Yeah, Tanev, yeah. yeah. They got heart. They're trying. I, I, I agree with that. I just I wonder – what the I wonder if the return for um a guy like Tanev outweighs re signing him. So I, I'm I'm curious, uh, I'm curious to see uh how this all plays out in the next six weeks. I know one thing though, you see Conroy's got a big goose egg. He's got Hubido and I don't know what you do with that guy. You know, you pay him that kind of money and he and he goes for a while and then he sinks like the Titanic. Yeah, it, uh, it it was going really well for him and, and hasn't been as, as strong over the last couple of weeks, no doubt. And you pay him all that kind of money, and he's and he's and he's and he's not uh, he's not producing. It's it, it just mind boggling. Yeah, this one's been this one's been hard to wrap your head around, James. Marshall's going to be fine. He'll be just fine. You know what? He's an awesome goaltender. You know. We got a good goaltender. We just, uh, you know, we just have to get. To, we just have to. Everybody's just got to flow as a team, and hopefully it will come around. And uh, I also want to say thank you to you because you, you're a great commentator. And without your program, uh, we wouldn't have a sounding board. So thank you so much, and have a great night. James, good to hear from you as always, man. Appreciate the call. Thank you for the kind words. And uh, our last call tonight goes to Johnny. What's going on, Johnny? You're wrapping us up. Uh, we got a big problem here, as you can see, and I'm going to tell you something. Everybody's talking about Huberto and this and that and the salary caps and, and the trades coming up. I just remember one time Roger Millions was talking to Jay Feaster. They did an interview, and Jay Feaster said, you know what, if we lose this game, we're going to do some big changes. You know what he did? He did nothing. Is, is, uh, are they ready to do something? I think um... – I think that they are philosophically ready to do something. I think that they are uh, generally big picture ready to do something. I don't know if they're ready to do something tomorrow, though. Like I think that they, well, they, they're, they're, I think they're ready to do something and do many things. Like, they're, they're ready to do things and make moves between now and the trade deadline. I do believe that. They have to because as a season ticket holder for the amount of money we're paying for tickets and the amount of money we're paying to get to the games and then you see the biggest move that Huberto had, which wasn't a fancy back-ass pass, was running into somebody in the boards. That was the most exciting thing of the game. And he, I don't know, I know you're stuck with those guys, but you're not stuck with Markstrom. Markstrom, yeah, he's playing okay, but I don't feel as a fan that he is playing great. I don't think, you know, you're you're stuck with the guys, but the guys that you aren't what stuck with, trade them for something good. Mix them up together and get something good to make a team because we're beyond playoff contention. The way they play tonight, we're not making the playoffs, in my feelings. And you know what? I'm looking forward to Mr. Cron tomorrow, uh, the Cobra, telling us how it is, how he feels, because I'll tell you what, He's not going to be far off what I say. Like, they were garbage. Yeah, they were not very good tonight at all. This is a really frustrating game. They they 
Um, they they don't they they didn't deserve to get two points the way they played tonight. Well, I I just wanted to know who who is who is the superstar that we keep out of all those guys. Sharon Govich always gives it at all, but I didn't think anybody had the heart on their chest tonight. No, I thought it was uh, I thought it was all around a pretty uh I thought I thought Coronado was really good tonight. Like that would be a bright spot for me. Um I thought he played strong. Um and and just knowing what what this team is looking to do and get younger, I thought that was a positive and I think that Shillington coming back was pretty neat too. So um Shillington coming back was amazing. I I think that was the that was the highlight of the game coming back. Without him, question that was the highlight of the game. Get a get a rush. He got a rush, and he skated end to end, and that was great. But is that our answer for the rest of the year and the rest of our future as a Calgary Flame? I I, I love Shillington. Don't get me wrong. Um, where do we go from here? Like I I just after tonight's game, I was just I I had a mixture of depression and and uh, depression from such a crappy game, and also. Yeah where do we go from here as as fans like it's just embarrassing it was embarrassing well, tonight to lose to a to that team on the, they didn't produce columbus played worse than us of course but they didn't produce anything to get to get a win why well, I, I don't know if they did play worse than the flames i disagree with that i think that the flames were the second best team on the ice for the uh, last 40 minutes of this hockey game, man. Like, I, I, I did not love Calgary's effort at all tonight. Yeah, and also, gate buys, no checks, no finishing checks. We have no, no, uh, you know what? Everybody's bitching about Ryan Reeves right now with the Leafs saying, oh, yeah, what a, what a dummy and this and that. He should be on injured reserve because he doesn't do anything. We have nothing. We had nothing to finish anything. Yeah, I don't really know what Ryan Reeves has to do with that, but um, no, I'm I'm just saying that we, who do we have that can protect our guys and get some excitement in the building? Well, I mean, I I think Adam Klapka, the the big boy that you you saw out there in his uh, second NHL game, I think he's trying his best. He's he's um, he's thrown pretty significant and, and noticeable hits in, in each of his uh, games that he's played so far. And I think that he would be a guy that you could point to in that regard. But no, this is not the world's most physical group. I will grant you that, Johnny. And hey, look, I mean, this is a frustrating loss. It was a frustrating game. And yeah, I, I, understand, uh, I understand your frustration after it. No doubt about it. Patty, thanks for all you do for the team and for the organization all the time you put in, and I appreciate taking the time tonight, and I'll sign off here, but I, I just think you can feel the frustration. I can, and I think you are full-on warranted for harboring that frustration. This was it, 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 It's been a frustrating homestand, and that was a really frustrating game as part of the homestand, so I, uh, I understand. The best part of the night for me is I took Johnny Gaudreau, Minus 0.5 points, and he was zero. So you know what? I at least I won some money. Hey, then you know what? Then I'm happy too. <laughs> right on. Thanks, well, Johnny. Have a good rest of your night. Thank you. You too, man. Appreciate the call. That'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. That'll wrap us up on the text line tonight as we start to move towards the end of our Flames Talk post game show. It's time for tonight's final summary. Thank you, as always, on the text line and phone lines tonight. Uh, always good to hear from you. Uh, the 
Look, the Flames never had a lead in this game. Uh, they trailed for a good chunk of this hockey game. Uh, Columbus never trailed as the Blue Jackets opened the scoring at 2.50 of the first period as Yegor Chinikov made it one nothing in favor of Columbus. Chinikov's 12th from Zach Wierenski and Cole Sillinger, and the Blue Jackets had a 1-0 lead. Calgary ties, though, uh, less than five minutes later. Mackenzie Wieger's 12th of the year extends his goal-scoring streak to three games. Uh, Wieger from Andrew Mangiapane and Blake Coleman at 7:26. It was 1-1. Columbus goes back out in front, though, on a Damon Severson goal, his sixth of the year, unassisted at 11:48. Again, answered by the Flames on a Connor Zeri goal less than three minutes later. Later. Zeri's 10th from Matt Coronado and Rasmus Anderson at 1442. It was one. Uh, it was 2-2 after one period of play. To the second period we go where the Blue Jackets go ahead once again, and this time for good. Uh, shorthanded, Alex Texier makes it 3-2 Blue Jackets. His seventh from Sean Corrali and Eric Branson at 6:33. That shorthander would actually serve to be the game winner, and it put the Columbus Blue Jackets up 3-2 after 40 minutes of play. Uh, on a power play in the latter stages of the third period, Blue Jackets make it 4-2. Uh, Dmitry Voronkov makes it 4-2 with his 11th of the year, Adam Fantilli and Severson the assist at 13:43, and that would make it 4-2 on the power play. Blue Jackets then ice it into the empty net with less than two minutes remaining. Adam Fantilli's 12th of the year makes it 5-2 from Chinikov at 18-18, 5-2 your final score. Final shots, 32-30 in favor of the Blue Jackets. Flames 0 for 2 on the power play. Columbus 1 for 4 with the man advantage. Three stars in the building tonight. Number three, Damon Severson. Number two, Matt Coronado. And number one, Yegor Chinikov. With the loss, the Flames fall back below 521, 22, and 5. They're back in action Saturday at home to Chicago, while Columbus improves to 15, 23, and 9. They're back in action Saturday on the road in Vancouver. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our outstanding uh, let's try that again for our outstanding on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Evan Cody, for our reporter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, that'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up for the Flames is Saturday night when they host the Chicago Blackhawks game six of this six-game homestand and Calgary's final break, a uh, final game before their All-Star break. It goes at 8 o'clock, which means we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with your pregame show for the Flames and the Chicago Blackhawks. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week into the weekend. Your final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight, Flames fall 5-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This has been your Flamestock postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts, and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.